Let's read this scripture together. It's um, it's probably a familiar portion of scripture. If you haven't read it, you probably heard the story of the prodigal son and how maybe it's been your life uh, that you that you had it pretty decent and you decided to go off and do your own thing. Maybe it didn't turn out real well and you came back. Um, There's a story of my life, my relationship with God. I grew up in a in church and. And, and knew all that I was supposed to know and then walked away from it in my late teens and uh, came back. And so uh, it's good to have a, a father in heaven that will stand at the end of the road and wait for you. Amen. And, and look for you when you come back. But I want to talk about another aspect in this uh, scripture. So let's let's read it together and, and see where it takes us. Luke chapter 15, verses 11, starting verse 11 says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. It's always a younger son, isn't it? I'm the oldest, so I can say that. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. Somebody give it up for young people don't know what's coming. That's a problem. They don't know what's coming yet, right? There's a famine in the country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine who was dead is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Everybody say meanwhile. 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 The older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come. He replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yeah, you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me 
and everything I have is yours. Father, we thank you today. We thank you, God, that when we're weak, you're strong. We thank you, God, that when that when we miss things, you pay attention to every single detail. Lord, we thank you, God, that we have access this morning to you, to all that we need today. We have access. And we pray today that this word would change our hearts, Lord. Do something in our hearts today because we've gathered together in your name. And it's in your mighty name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Turn around and tell somebody, you've got access this morning. Tell them, you've got access. Meanwhile, we're in a sermon series called Meanwhile. What happens meanwhile? Anybody play the lottery here? You're like, I'm not admitting that. <laughs> I drink Pepsi every day. If you play $2 lottery every day, we pretty much do the same thing. We're gambling with our lives, right? <laughs> so, um, there's a story. I think it was 2014. No, February 4th, 2016. million lottery ticket was sold in California and it expired with nobody claiming it. $63 million Uh, in California. It expired with nobody claiming it. Somebody had access to $63 million and yet didn't take advantage of it. Could you imagine that? I, I I couldn't even... Fathom that 63. How much is that take home? 20 million or something? $20 million. I wouldn't even show up to claim the ticket if I was only going to get $20 million. I'm like, you guys keep it. $20 million. If you had, you had that type of access to money and didn't take advantage of it. That would be a bit disappointing, wouldn't it? To have that type of access in your life and yet, and not not realize it, maybe, not take advantage of it, not, not seize the moment, not, not live it to the fullest. I believe we do have access. And you may be sitting there saying, I don't know what you're talking about, access to more money. I'm working hard, not making enough to make ends meet. And, and I don't know how this whole thing works out. Access. How do I get more? How do I, how do I obtain more? How do I, how do I get happier in my life? How do I have joy? How do I have peace? Because it doesn't seem like I have access to it. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that in the meanwhile, between where you are, where you want to be, and, and what you actually have access to in the middle. This is a story, really, Jesus is telling a, a bunch of stories right in a row here. This is a story of a son returning home. He, he's a younger son. And, and he goes to his father and he says, hey, listen, I want you to split the stuff up. There was two sons. And so uh, back then, which I think it should be this way now, since I'm the oldest son, um, the oldest son got what, what they would call a double portion. I think, could, could you bring this down just a hair? Uh, the oldest son would get a double portion, which I, which I think is a logical step in divvying out. Now, if your parents got a lot of bills, you might want to reverse the deal. But um, So in this case, the older son would get two-thirds 
of what the father had, and the younger son would get a third of it. But how many of you know a third of a lot is a lot? So it didn't say that the dad was poor. It just said, it just said he, he did have something to give his sons. That's a, that's a good deal. So the younger son at some point in time comes to the father and says, Hey, you know what? I want my stuff. What's coming to me? And, uh, and I want to do what I want to with it. This is kind of an authority issue, I believe. Um, how many of you were rebellious kids? We're all friends here. Kind of rebellious kids. I... I can't say I was blatantly rebellious. I was sneaky rebellious. Uh, my sibling, though, he was blatantly a, a, a rebellious. And then he would blatantly tell that I was sneaky rebellious. And so that was an inconvenience in our childhood. But I would just think, why don't you just be quiet? Just don't say anything. And so when I would get in trouble, I would just stand there and be compliant and... Um, and, and that, but, but my brother is a little bit different than me. When he would get in trouble, he'd, man, he'd chest up, be like, you know, I'm going to do what I want. And, uh, and I used to be like, oh, it's, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. Now, my dad is like 6'1", it's like 230 pounds. My mom's like five foot tall and 100 pounds. And there was more than one time where I remember my mom jumping in front of my dad. And I was like, mom, like, you should really get out of the way. Obedience is a difficult thing, isn't it? I mean, come on, let's be honest. Rules. I mean, there's just, every part of our life has a rule in it, doesn't it? Every, if you, if, no matter where you work, you have to show up at a certain time. You have to obey certain rules. In some of your employment, you have to obey rules or you'll go to jail. Right? This obedience thing is just, it, it gets annoying after a while because, because somewhere wired into our sin nature, we want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. And that, that's the fun life, isn't it? Come on, nobody, nobody advertises, um, n- none of these guys that are, that are on social media or whatever talking about a four hour work week, uh, and you can make all this money. None of them are advertising, hey, listen, I've got the job of a lifetime for you. You, you can, there's a thousand rules you'll need to obey. No, the, the story that entices everybody is we get to do whatever we want and still get paid for it. And you don't know anybody like that, right? It's like, what do you do for a living? Whatever I want. Do you get paid a lot? Yeah, man. I sleep in as long as I want. I get up whenever I want and they just send me money. Now you're thinking of a couple people on TV that it looks like that. The trouble is we try to carry that into the house. And we get frustrated when the father puts the rules down, don't we? You know what? I, I pray all the time that God would direct my steps. We, we pray most every morning. Uh, I try to pray with my wife that God direct our steps today. Bless my kids. Bless my wife. Because if you bless her, my life will be easier. Man, you should pray that. You should pray that. If you bless my wife, my life will get easier. And, um, and then he says, I'm trying to bless her through you. Step it up. So I hear from the Lord like once a year. But so what happens is I, I'll pray that God will direct my steps, but then I get irritated when he does. Anybody? Because I, because I think they're my steps. 
And I think he should just suggest where I should take them. And, if, and I think I should have the... And by the way, this is what gets us in trouble. We do have the authority. It's called free will. And God's not going to come down with a mallet and make you follow a certain track. But what I do in the morning oftentimes conflicts with what I want to do in the evening. Because in the morning I wake up, Lord, bless my family. Come on, bless me. Lord, prosperous. I want you to direct my steps. You said the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And I might not be righteous, but I'm trying to be. And I want you to direct them anyway. But then at like two o'clock, there comes this point in time where I'm like, I don't, I don't like this directing my steps thing today. And I want to do what I want to do. And so, so if you would give me what I've got coming to me, let me walk my own journey. And so that's what, that's how the story starts out. That the, the younger son just says, Hey, I, um, I, I want, I want to do this my own way. I want to try, try to go out on my own. And any of you that have raised teenagers, you know that at some point in time, they know what they're doing. I want to live the way I, there was a point in time in my life where I, I realized that the way I wanted to live, I couldn't do it in my father's house. Anybody else like that? The what I wanted to do, my dad wouldn't tolerate. So I got married. <laughs> my wife didn't tolerate it either. <laughs> Come on, there's some of you that moved out because of that. You said, I want to live my life this way. I'm 19 years old. I'm a grown man. And your dad said, I remember, I never threatened to run away because my dad preempted the whole deal. He said, you go ahead and run away, you're going to get hungry. And when you come back, you think it's bad now. And I would think, man, it's really dumb to run away. But there came a point in time where I wanted to do things that weren't allowed in the house. Now, at 19 years old, I didn't understand why they weren't allowed in the house. They just weren't. You know, sometimes we grow up in situations where there's not a, there's not a definition to every no. You know, I think God does that on purpose because there's not a definition to every no that he gives you either. There's not a reason for it. What's a Garth Brooks song? You thought I was going to sing it. <laughs> sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. It's like way later. He meets the girl at the fair. And then realizes, whoa, I'm glad I married who I married. That wouldn't have turned out very well. I mean, that's the that's gist of the song, right? Come on, you've run into those people. You're like, thank you, Lord. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayer. The, the trouble is we want an explanation that we would never be able to understand in the moment. And we want it now. And so oftentimes when we're growing up in our house, we want our parents to give us explanations for every time they tell us no. When, when the issue is the parent knows that there's no way you're going to even be able to grasp why I'm telling you no at this point in time in your life. Because I can't, I, you don't have the capacity to understand how much pain you'll be in later on if I let you do this. And so even if I told you it would hurt, you won't understand. So, so there came a point in time 
where, where in my family, my dad was like, I said no, and that's it, because I said no. And that's the reason I said no, is because I said no. And I'm like, yeah, but I want no. So I realized there were some things that I wanted to do that I could not do in the father's house. And so you have to go out of the father's house to find out if what you want to do works, right? And so, so the younger son says, give me all that is coming to me. I want my stuff. It says not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth and wild living. It's always bad when you demand a piece of what you could have. Do you realize that? It's always bad when you demand a portion of what you could have access to. And what you see in this story is this young guy is living in the house. He's he's in the father's house. And as long as he does what the father requires of him, he has access to not only a third, but he has access to the whole thing, right? Right? I don't know about you, but my parents never did that. My parents never said, well, you know, you can only have half a dinner because your brother gets the other half. No, it was like, it was like I got more than I could get out on my own eating. Trust me, when I went to Shepherd College, it was like I was going up asking for a discount on the dollar meal. At McDonald's, like, hey, is there any way we can get this down to like 85 cents for a burger? And what I realized that if I was back at the house, I wouldn't have to worry about it. I had access to all kinds of food. I could eat four peanut butter and jelly sandwiches if I wanted them. Because I, because I had access. What I had access to in the house was never proportioned to what I would have to take if I left. It's always bad when you demand a portion of what God really wants to give you. But so oftentimes what happens is I'll I'll wake up in the morning and pray for God to direct my steps. And then when he does, I start getting real antsy about it. And I start saying, God, well, this is what I want. I want it now. I can't can't wait any longer. You got to give this to me now. You got to give this to me. And it becomes this tug of war of authority like, hey, in Jesus name, give it to me. If I got to pull that thing out, right? And what God is trying to tell me is you're demanding something. You're just demanding a little portion of what I actually want to give you. But because you're outside of my will, I can't give it all to you. And so you really learn that obedience is really important in the father's house, isn't it? Now, now I want to clarify something really quick, just just for all, all you people that are like, well, well, salvation isn't by works. Uh, he's going to go down this road where you got to work for it. That's not what I'm saying. You can, you can lift your hands today, surrender your life to Christ, and accept him as your personal Lord and Savior, and he will redeem your life the instant you do that. But if you walk out here and disobey him, your life will be difficult. I was always my dad's son, but I was not always in the favor of my dad. Amen, Brendan Farrell. So you see how you can separate the two? Because we get caught up and, and, um, and well, well, salvation is by faith and faith alone. And it's free gift from the Father that Jesus went and died on the cross. And that is 100% true. But it's, 
But it doesn't, Paul said, should we keep sinning that grace may abound? No way, we shouldn't do that. And the reason is, is because access is dependent on obedience. Come on. I asked my daughter the other day, uh, something came up. Uh, uh, matter of fact, all of our kids were sitting around. We were talking about this, and I said, um, uh, they were talking about some friends of theirs and parents being strict and all this stuff. And to be honest with you, we never even had the conversation. I didn't, I didn't know how they felt about us, really, because I don't care. Um, <laughs> so I said, wow, do you guys think we're strict? And they went, no. And I thought, yeah. And I said, okay, that's great. I said, let me say it. Let me say this way. My daughter has her own car. Um, so far, I check up on, on uh, find my iPhone. Best thing ever invented. And, uh, and I know when she leaves work, and I'll text her and say, please come home. Um, you're still at work. But I, I, I haven't had a reason to distrust her yet. So these are my words to her. I said, listen, the reason that it doesn't seem like it's strict is because you haven't given me a reason up to this point to not trust you. And when that happens, it will change drastically, trust me, because that car is in my name. <laughs> and so what you have to understand is while salvation is free, blessing from God requires obedience. It requires obedience. And so what happens here is that the son living under the father's roof actually has access to infinitely more than what he realized he had. And because of an obedience issue, he's determining that I want you to give me my stuff. You say, how do you know it was an obedience issue? What's the first thing he did? He didn't go, Lord, he didn't go, Father, give me all, all that's coming to me. I'm going to take mine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. He didn't go to the church. And give 10% of it? It's I'm going to start. My dad's raising me right. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to go to the church. I'm going to worship. I'm going to get involved. He went straight to a foreign land and started living wild. You know what that tells me? That tells me he had to leave the father's house to do what he wanted to do. And so often in our lives, the anxiousness that fills our souls is because in the house, We can't do what we want to do. And we're trying to figure out how to get a portion of the blessing that God wants us to have so we can leave and do our own thing. Is that true? And so we think, we think, God, I really want to do this. And he says, man, I'm not, I'm not up for that. And you go, yeah, but you don't, you don't know. (laughs) And we determine I'm going to trip over that stupid thing soon enough. We determine that we have to leave in order to have our will completed. Let me say this. What you're walking through may be difficult. What did we talk about last week? You may be walking through a difficult thing, but God is looking for a return on that difficult thing, isn't he? What did we say? We said, if he has allowed you to walk through it, there must be value in it. And he's expecting a return from it. That's what we learned last week, right? I'm going to add to that. If he's respecting, expecting a return from it, then he's given you access to it. You say, how do you, how do you get a return on nothing? The issue is, is even in your difficult situation, if you're in the house, you've got access to all you need. 
Amen? I don't think you believe that. If you're in the house, even in a difficult situation in the house, you have access to all you need. Somebody say amen. You have to believe that. Because if you think being obedient to God in your life does not return a reward for that, then there is no way you'll be obedient in difficult situations. You'll just take the easy road out. And you'll start to ask yourself, matter of fact, I've had recent conversations with people that start to ask themselves, Lord, this is tough. I don't see what the point to keep obeying is. Come on, anybody ever said that? It'd be a lot easier if I just cheated a little bit. It'd be a lot easier if I fudged the numbers just a little bit. It'd be a lot easier if, if, I, if, if I did this just a little bit. It would take all the pressure off. And what you have to realize is that the blessing comes from obedience. Listen, it's not just because you're in the family. Because when you go outside of the house, even if you're still a son, you go outside the house, daddy's not going to keep sending you money. Because when the son went outside of the house to live his own way, his dad didn't wire him any money. His dad didn't say, he didn't call his dad up and say, hey dad, you know what? I've been hanging out doing my thing and it's been killer. But I'm kind of broke now. He says, sure son, do whatever you want. I'll send you another thousand. No. No, nothing. He didn't get anything to the point of starving to death. Matter of fact, can I... Can I make this real relatable? I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes here. Maybe I am. But I just want to say this. If your kids are consistently disobedient, take everything from them. As parents, we are more afraid of hurting their feelings than, than ruining their, than their future. We're more afraid of going, well, Johnny doesn't like me anymore. And I don't, you know, he's doing whatever he wants to. And we're just trying to be supportive parents. And we just, you know, we love him. Here's the car. I know you're going to do something stupid with it. Here's the, here's the money. I know you're going to do something. No, 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 no. No. Do you realize in the Bible there are over 1,500 if statements in the Bible? Salvation is free. Blessing comes from obedience. Come on. Can you repeat that? Salvation is free, but blessing comes from obedience. If, then. If, then. If, then. If, then. You know how our houses should work just like that? If you obey, then I will bless you. But in American society today, it's all backwards. It's like, dude, your kid's crazy. I know. I just gave him 50 bucks. I'm hoping they wake up. I don't know. I'm hoping they wake up. He leaves the house and the supply stops. He demanded a portion of what he could have. So he left the house and the supply stopped. And so then he found himself with people he would never have associated with before trying, trying to eat what pigs are eating. You'll never be better off demanding a piece of what you could have. He realizes at the end, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. You know what the key, the first key to having access is you got to stay in the house. This is like the story of my, this is the book I want to write. Stay, stay. Stay, 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 stay. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, stay, 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 stay. If you leave, it never works. 
I tell people when I'm doing marriage counseling, I tell them all the time, listen, if you leave, there's never a chance. Then, then, then God doesn't get the, God does not get an opportunity to do what he does best. Amen. If you leave, you get a portion of what you could have. Now watch this. You say, well, I know tons of people who have left and they've got remarried. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. And you're like, yeah, but their life worked out fine. Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Oftentimes, disobedience, like here's point A, here's, here's the way God wants you to get there. We disobey, we're down to B. We still may be able to get there, but it's going to look like this. And so what I'm saying is, I'm not saying that you can't come back after making a mistake and still get to the destiny God wants you to get at. But I'm saying you can avoid a lot of the craziness. Because if you stay in the house, you have access to all that you need. I hear people say, man, I don't know if I can do it anymore. That's why you have access to hope in the house. That's why you have access to peace in the house. That's why you have access to everything you need in the house. It's an obedience issue, isn't it? Next time you think about running off and doing your own thing, ask yourself, can I afford not to stay here? Can I afford not to stay here? If I leave, if I leave now, can I afford it? And some of you are thinking, I've already calculated that, buddy. Can I afford it emotionally? Can I afford it spiritually? Can I afford it financially? Can I afford to be out of the will of God in my life? Because when you're out of it, you're demanding a portion of all that God wants to give you. Watch this. Jesus said, John 14, anyone who lives or anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. You're like, yeah, but Jesus loves me whether I do. Jesus loves me. This I know. Whether I do what he wants to or not. That's our new version of it, right? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Listen to what he says. My father will love them and and, and we will come to them and make our home with them. He said, your obedience gives God some place to bring his stuff. You realize that? Our obedience gives God some place to come. What what does it say? He will inhabit the praises of his people. What does he ask to do? He asks us to have pure worship and praise him. And when we worship him, it says we give him a place to come and be with us. And when we give him a place to come and be with us, all that he has comes with him. Jesus doesn't say, man, I left the peace back at the house. I don't don't know what to tell you. I was going to offer you peace today, but I left in the car. No, he says... The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind. And then he says, the God of peace will be with you. He's saying, listen, if you stay in the house, what you need will be there. It's an obedience thing. It's an obedience thing. Watch. Okay. Now I'm really going to start meddling. Because I've been talking to people who are thinking about leaving. Okay, I've been talking about like this difficult situation. I'm going to cut out this Jesus thing's not working and I'm, I'm, I want my stuff and I'm leaving. I've been talking to, to people that may be on the verge of leaving or maybe you've been gone and, and, you're, 
and you're and you're not sure why you're why it's happening the way it's happening and and, and the fire I'm telling you the fire, listen the access is waiting at the end of the road all you have to do is turn around and go back all you have to do is turn around and go back the access is waiting on you not God now I want to turn the story a little bit because there's there's a really good um, this story ends weird doesn't it the prodigal son comes back and the dad throws a party for him, which I'm like, man, you should throw a party for your kids if they come, like genuinely come back. You should throw a party. Not if they come back for another $50. If they come back humble. Now, you know, if a 19 year old comes back humble, God has been working on their soul. They usually come back, you know, I tried it. I'm going to try something else. I think his second thing will work better. Just coming back to let you know I'm trying something else. I don't need I don't need nothing but maybe a hundred dollars, and uh, and some gas money and and uh, I'm gonna try something else. But I'm this one's gonna work. No no no. I'm not talking about coming back like that. I'm talking about this guy had already prescripted what he was gonna say. I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm coming back and I'll just work. I'll work like everybody. I don't care what the situation is. I'll just want to be back in the house. If your kids come back like that, take them and throw a party. Amen. Amen? Can I also say that's a prescription for you to come back as well? Don't ever come back to God with the attitude, Lord, if you'd just given me three more weeks, I'd have made it. No, no, no. What is wrong with saying, I messed up, I should have never left, and I should have never tried this on my own. Your ways are higher than my ways, you're better, your ways are better than my ways, and if I just would have obeyed you, my life would have turned out better. Why can't we come to God like that? That's called humility, right? So the son comes back, they throw a party for him. Killed the fat calf, put a ring in his finger, and gave him the best robe. Gave him the best robe. Watch how this plays out in church. What stories do we like to celebrate? We like to celebrate... We like to celebrate the drug addict who has been redeemed. Amen? You're like, man, God redeemed, redeemed from addiction. This is amazing. We like to celebrate the person that was all the way down as far, like, I, I am trying to eat what the pigs are eating right now. We like to celebrate that person, right? And here's what happens. There's some people sitting in the pew that have never touched a drug. And they've served God the best they could for his, for, now I'm, I'm, if I said 30 years, all of them would say, now he's talking about me. Served God a long time. And I, I've been there. I know, like, when's somebody going to celebrate me? I ain't never left. I've been sitting in this stinking church, listening to this young preacher. I ain't as young as I used to be. And, and I get up every morning, pray and read my Bible. This punk kid comes in, it's ruined his life. Now we're going to put him on a video. Nobody's saying amen. <laughs> now we're going to put him on a video. He ain't even proved himself yet. Oh, he's done accepted a free gift. Everybody will do that. Accept a free gift. Salvation. 
free. I've been working for it all these years. Slaving for this church. Show up to every function. Set up the tent. Take down the tent. Stand out in the front. Greet people like I like to be here. And, and park cars. And, and I give 10% in the I give 12% in the offering. If you ask me, I'd tell you that I do more than what you expected me to. And yet I've never been on a video. To talk about my faithfulness to the house. Just want to pull up the person's ruined their lives. It was their fault. You'll put them on a video because they took a free gift. You realize your attitude in the house can be just as bad as the one that took a portion and left. It can be just as bad. I, I've, been, I've actually been there before. I've, I've, I've been in the place where I'm like, when's somebody going to recognize something? This is before I became a pastor. Me and my wife volunteering. When's somebody going to recognize me? Just because I didn't go out and ruin my life. When do, I get to, when do I get to tell my story of faithfulness? How God kept me. I guess that's not extravagant enough. I guess it's not exotic enough to get told from the stage where I didn't, I never smoked pot. That's not, nobody's going to get saved from that testimony, right? <clears throat> the older son comes just stays like all this is happening. He says he's out in the field. One of the servants goes to him and says, hey, man, your brother's come back. Your dad's throwing a party. This is a great day. And he says, oh, yeah? I'm not coming. I'm not coming. And then a very peculiar thing happens. The same father who ran out to meet the prodigal son runs out to meet the son who's got a bad attitude. He runs out to meet the disgruntled son. And he says, what are you upset about? Your brother's home. And the guy's honest with him. He says, listen, he, he's honest about his feelings anyway. He says this. He says, I've been slaving for you. I've been slaving for you. You know, that's a, that's a great window into his mindset about living at home, staying in the house. He said, I've been slaving for you. Your attitude in the house can be as bad as leaving. He says, I've been slaving for you. He said, I've done everything you've asked me to do all the time. I've never disobeyed you once. And the dad's probably thinking, yeah, right. Are you kidding me? Pride comes before what? And a haughty spirit before the destruction, the Bible says. It is possible to stay in the house. It is possible to stay in the house and be mad about what you're not taking advantage of. When did you hear that? You realize you can sit in the house and deny yourself access. 
with our attitudes. You say, well, I, I haven't went out and lived recklessly. No, you haven't. But you let your pride run recklessly while you're sitting in the house. You see, Sunday after Sunday, we could come in here and we could say, I work so hard. I volunteer all the time. I give. I'll compare my giving statement to anyone's. You might not want to do that, by the way. And we get this attitude that we're doing God a favor, don't we? Dad, I never left. I've been here working the whole time, doing everything you've ever asked me to do all the time, every time. I don't complain. I, don't, I just build up this animosity towards you in my heart because I'm not getting recognized, but I don't do it out in public. I don't, I don't say anything. I just come and I sneer at the pastor when he starts preaching about it because I don't want anybody to know that I'm really this upset sitting in the, in the pew that I've been sitting in for years and, and doing everything that I've been doing but denying myself access to what I actually need. Because I think doing things with a bad attitude towards God will get me the same access, and it won't. But the thing about it is, is that in both of these cases, the, men, the, the boys are denying themselves what God is offering them. But I think the second one is even more, is even more dramatic than the first one, because he never leaves. He stays there with the whole time with this inaccurate view of the father. And he says, I've slaved for you as if the father had put this yoke on him that he couldn't bear. Now, do you remember last week we talked about the parable of the talents? What did the guy that only got one say after he buried it? He said, I knew you were a hard man. You see, oftentimes... We could be involved in the house, we could be in the house, but not taking advantage of what God has for us in the house, and then we turn around and blame Him for it, not us. Lord, it's not, it's not my bad attitude, it's, it's you're hard, and you're difficult, and I don't think you really want to bless me. I'm going to still show up because I got to, because I, I signed the paper that I'd help next week, but I really don't want to be here because I don't think you're going to bless me. And the whole time. We're denying ourselves access to the very thing God wants to give us because of our attitude in the house. We can sit in the house and complain about the decorations while the refrigerator is full of food. You ever done that? You ever look at your wife and say, I don't know why you hung the picture up there. What did they do that for? Next time, I'm going to get off on a marriage tangent. Next time your wife brings you a drink, just say thank you and don't complain about something else. I thought a lot more women would be happy about that. Amen? We're reaping the benefits of being in the house while complaining about the decorations. We sit in the house and complain about petty things and God's presence is changing lives right in front of us. And the issue is, the issue is this, the same peace and joy that you're seeing people experience maybe for the first time has always been accessible to us in the house. 
And so instead of us looking at people like that and saying, man, God is doing something unbelievable in their life, and here I'm sitting over here suffering, we should say, I know that the same God that redeemed them will, in fact, redeem me. Amen? Will, in fact, come to my rescue. Will, in fact, come to my... Will, will rescue me. He will, he will be the peace that I need in this situation. Two people in the same house denying access in two different ways. You know what else the second brother, the, the oldest brother never saw? He never saw the value in it. Never saw the value in it. The value in obedience is that I'm doing it God's way. Do you realize that? I don't care how difficult it is. Because if he's allowed you to walk through it, there is value in it. And he's expecting a return from it. And that he's given you access to it. Because... Because there's value in obedience. Amen. The master go, we talked about last week. The master goes away. He said, I'm leaving you with this. I'm expecting a return. And the value in obedience, no matter how difficult. You know what the, you know what the crazy thing about that parable we talked about last week is? The guy that turned five into ten, it never alludes to how difficult that was. We just think he went, yeah, I got ten the next day, and then I took a vacation to Tahiti for the next seven years. No, no, you don't know how hard he worked to make, f- to make five and a ten. He might have just finished up before the master came back. His hands might have been bleeding when the master walked back in. You don't know how hard it is. You just automatically assume it was easy for him. But the reward was in the obedience. Amen? And so when he comes back, he says, well done, well done, thou good and faithful servant. What you have been Given little, now I will give you more. And the value is in the obedience. And what we think, we only think that I've done this, now give me something. We forget that we can learn from just doing it. I've learned that the less pats on the back I need, the more successful I can be. Come on, did you hear that? The less pats on the back I need, the more successful I can be. If I'm always, if I'm always standing in front of you, help, like, oh, I helped you out, and I'm going to just stand at your front door like, <laughs> you could, I mean, you can say something nice. You can give me, you invite me in, you gave me a cookie, you're going to, the check would be nice. I don't know, like something. No, what we miss is that there is value in just doing what God said. How many times did Jesus walk into town and heal everybody and then go, we're going to just lavish him with everything that we have? Didn't happen, did it? Matter of fact, I would count you pretty successful if you haven't been crucified yet by the people that you helped. Because that's the story of Jesus, right? So while we're looking for a return, Jesus is just looking for salvation. He's saying, can't you just be okay with them coming to me? 
Come on, you didn't hear that, church. Jesus would walk into a whole town and heal everybody in the town. He would, all that they brought to him, he would heal. And at the end of the day, they strung him up on the cross and killed him. Because it wasn't about accolades. It wasn't about getting his picture on a poster for the next uh, uh, tent meeting. It wasn't, about, it wasn't about going around town saying, man, man, Jesus is the man. Jesus is like making jingles and putting it on TV. It wasn't about that. He came to seek and save those that are lost. He did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And the reason why the church can be so dysfunctional is because we're not obeying out of a, out of a need to see people come to Christ and be redeemed. We're obeying out of a need to be blessed. And so the younger, the older son said, listen, I... I've been doing this so long that I let my attitude get in the way. And now what I used to do to see a return of salvation in people's lives, now I'm irritated. I call that slavery. And I'm irritated that you're not recognizing me now. And so now, now the contingency for me to obey you is that you pat me on the back. And I would say this. I would say the only thing the church needs to keep obeying Christ is one more person to bow a knee. Amen? If, if that's all we, come on church, if that's all we get and we, we serve and we serve and we serve and one more person comes to Christ, I don't need another pat on the back. I don't need another, that's a good sermon, brother. I don't need another one of those. If one more person could come to Christ, what else would we do it for? So obedience, you can demand a portion of what God wants to give you and you can leave. Or you can keep a rotten attitude in the house and suffer the same circumstances. But my prayers this morning is that we'd stay. Amen. We'd stay with good attitudes. We'd stay with a heart turned towards Christ. We'd stay with a heart just like his who said we will serve and see people saved. Come on. Oh, wait, that's what we do. We would serve. Lord, the only thing we need in return is more of your gospel. The only thing we need in return is more of your peace. The only thing we need more of in return is more of you. Amen? Come on, why don't you stand this morning? I want to pray that over you today. Listen, I believe there's infinite access to the Father. It says... It says that we can come boldly now before his throne. You don't have to whimper into the throne room of God like somebody who's made a mistake. But in Jesus' name, who covers all of our sins and all of our rotten attitudes, you can decide this morning that, Lord, I'm being obedient. I'm going to decide to be obedient because I want access to all that you have for me. I want you to direct my steps, Lord, and I'm not going to complain when you run them around in different ways that I don't think I should go. I want to obey you. And I want to see the return on that. Amen. I want to see lives changed. I want to see, I want to see transformation happen in people's lives. And Lord, if I never get recognized, seeing that would be just enough. Amen. I mean, look, we'll do volunteer of the month if you want. I'm not opposed to putting your face up on a wall where nobody can see it. Um, I'm not opposed to putting it up on Facebook. I'm not opposed to recognizing what people do. I'm saying when it becomes what we have to have to do what we're supposed to do, we're in a bad spot.
here's where we should be. Lord, you've redeemed me. And that's enough for me to obey you. Amen. Come on all across the building. Close your eyes. Lift your hands in a sign of surrender to him. And just pray that prayer. Lord, you've redeemed me. That's enough to obey you. You've set me free. That's enough to obey you, Lord. You've given me access today. Lord, I don't want to be the one that keeps me from it. I want to obey. Father, I pray. I pray for everyone who thinks you haven't given them enough. I pray for everyone who feels like they need more this morning, Lord. I pray that they'd realize all that they need is in your will. All that they need is in the process of being obedient to you. It's going to get tough. It'll be difficult. But you have promised to keep us. You're the one who started a good work in us and you've been faithful to complete it. You are the one that is able to keep us from falling and present us before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. You're the one that has everything that we need. And I pray this morning that you open up our eyes to it. Lord, we can do it your way and have access. Father, we thank you. God, I pray your blessing over every single person in this room, Lord. I pray that you would indeed bless them as they follow you, as they as they follow hard after you, Lord, as they obey you, that you'd bless them, that they'd experience the fruitfulness of a life lived after you. And Lord, I pray if there's one person that needs to come back, Lord, if there's one person that's strayed this morning, if there's one person that needs to know you, that needs to come back to the house today, Lord, they'd find you standing at the end of the road waiting to love them, to throw a party for them. Lord, to embrace them and give them full access to what you have. We thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Come on, church. Could you give him honor and glory this morning? Come on, you've got access.